Somebody just say, I want to see you with no distraction. Somebody just say, I want to see you with no distraction. Because life continues to happen, the enemy uses your circumstances to take your eyes off of Jesus. He'll use your circumstances to frustrate your relationship with Jesus. He'll use your circumstances and, and life's issues to cause you to turn your back on a Savior who gave his life so that you and I would be redeemed. Life, the enemy, he uses people, whatever it might be, to remind you of what you did wrong and how awful you are and what didn't happen and what you did years ago. He'll use that to put you in a basket of condemnation, of guilt, where you live a life being frustrated at Jesus as if his death was not enough. <laughs> Can I say it? His death was all you needed. You didn't have to give an offering. You didn't have to say a prayer. His death was all you needed to be free. <laughs> I want you to lift your hands. And as you lift your hands, I want you to say, Lord, I want to see you with no distractions. Father, I want to see you as my father with no distractions. I want to serve your kingdom with no distractions. I want to love beyond distractions. I want to love, I want to serve, and I want to fulfill your will with no distraction. It's not saying that distraction will not come. But he says, a mind that is stayed on me, that which I will give peace to, because I trust you. <laughs> I trust you enough to see that things are not going the way that I thought that they would go in but because my mind is stayed on you and because I see you with no distraction hallelujah I'm able to fulfill and I'm able to win the race I'm, I'm able to go beyond when I don't have the strength but because hallelujah you give me strength in the moments of my weakness <laughs> that's when I'm made strong hallelujah when I feel like I can't continue to go on, hallelujah, that's when Jesus was made strong, hallelujah, when his natural body felt like he couldn't carry the cross anymore. Can, can I tell you, he carried the cross, hallelujah. He, he carried the burden of the world upon his shoulders. Come on now. He carried the burden of the will of his father, which was more heavier than you and I could ever imagine. Come on now. He carried 
carried the burden of his daddy on his shoulders. Hallelujah. He understood that if he did not get to the cross, that the will of his father would never ever come to pass. And the will of his father was so heavy that he was beaten. Come on now. The will of his father was so heavy, Vita, that he was spit on, that he was punched in the face, that he was persecuted, that he was ridiculed, that he was talked about in ways that you and I could never imagine. He sweated so much that the sweat became blood. Oh, Rabbi, that was the weight of a cross. Come on now, come on now. Come on now. The weight of something that doesn't belong to you and I. Come on now. Come on now. The life of Jesus Christ has everything to do with pleasing his father. And some of us sit here today and we're broken because we don't know what it is to be loved by a father. To be loved by a mother. But Jesus came so that we might believe and so that we might see the love that he had for his father. Come on now. If you can see how I love my father, then you can love me and because you love me you'll get to know my daddy you'll get to understand how good he is you'll get to understand that his love is unconditional hallelujah come on somebody say hallelujah somebody say hallelujah somebody look at your neighbor and say you're in the right court look at somebody and say you're in the right court I love y'all keep that keep that loop don't lose the loop. Come on now. Y'all remember it? Y'all remember it? All right. I want to see you with no distractions. I'm going to see you with no distractions. Hallelujah. Come on. Someone look at somebody and just say it again. You're in the right court. Come on. You're in the right court, Amber. You're, you're in the right court, Marty. You're, you're in the right court today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Living under the laws of mankind can be one-sided and racially biased. Standing in the middle of a courtroom with the cards stacked against you is not the greatest feeling that one desires to feel. The racing pace of emotions of uncertainty and false imbalance, that the case will not work in your favor, isn't the best place to be in. However, at some point, the judge <laughs> must render a verdict. <laughs> Going to court on that morning, and you don't know what's going to happen. The lawyer says, they may get you off. They may not. I don't know what's going to happen. The prosecutor saying, yeah, we're going to convict you and you're going to get this and you're going to get that. But the one realization that you and I must come to naturally and spiritually is that however you may feel at some point in the case, the judge must render a verdict. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, I'm in the right court. I'm in the right court. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You are our redeemer, our rock, and our strength. John 3:17 through 21 says, For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. 
He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse number 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Verse 20 says, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Verse 21 says, But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. For God, verse number 17, did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18 is where we're going to settle. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed, hear this, in the name of the only begotten Son. I want to say it again. You're in the right court. You're in the right court. and We, we talked about it earlier. Uh, I get to court and I don't know what's going to happen. I've got some things going on in my life and I've got to face a judge. And I don't know if that judge is going to treat me wrong because of the color of my skin. I might be a female versus a male. Come on now, because of my, my status of who I am. I don't have all the degrees. I, I could already have some convictions on my record. And so I'm nervous to show up because I don't know if they're going to judge me of my past. I don't know if my past is going to give me more time than I should. I, I, I've been working hard as I can, uh, but I just don't know how it's going to turn out. But I want to give you a piece here. However you may feel at some point, the judge, because it's his job, he has to render a verdict. Uh, he has to render a verdict before he can either give you a sentence or before he can either give a mistrial or before he can just call the case quits or if he can just simply say, whatever you've been tried on and whatever you've been found guilty of, I'm going to pardon you. Just walk out and don't worry about it. But at some point, the judge has to render a verdict. We can see here, in John 3, 17 and 18, that the judge is ready to render his verdict. Come on now. Uh, when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, come on now, and we think about his death, we think about his burial, we think about his resurrection, we have to be reminded that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have eternal life. And so he gave his only begotten son, Julia, but then now he renders his verdict. <laughs> when we think about it, mankind has been in court since the fall of Adam. Adam sins in the garden, come on now, and, and, and he doesn't know how to repair it. And so now God has placed mankind in a courtroom. 
And so from Adam to Noah, from Noah to Abraham, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, we can see all the way to Samson and Samuel. We can see all the way through David and we can go all the way through the Bible that mankind has sat in a courtroom that has disconnected him from his father. Come on now. Uh, we've got to really set this in place that when you go to court, there is a prosecutor and then there is a defense attorney and then there is a jury. Come on now. Uh, and there is media. Come on now. There are people that are going to lie and they're going to build their case in what? In defense of the defendant. The, the prosecutor comes to call you guilty. Come on now. Uh, but the judge says that you're innocent until proven guilty. We've got to prove beyond on a reasonable doubt that you are guilty. Come on now. We can look at the courtroom, Tracy, and we can see that man has been guilty of sin. We can see that man has fallen away from his will and the will of the Father. We can see, Edgar, that man has been sitting in a courtroom for year after year after year. Over 1,500 years, we can see that man sits in a courtroom and he's in a courtroom and the defense attorney, the enemy come on now his flesh come on now his mind says that he's innocent but the prosecutor has never come against the enemy come on now the prosecutor has remained in a place because when we look at this here uh, God really should be the prosecutor but when we turn it around here God is the prosecutor but then he uses Jesus as the defense attorney come on now can I talk to you really today uh, when we look at John 3 16 we can see here in verse number 17 number one that God did not send his son to judge the world come on now I'm the prosecutor but I want you to understand your assignment is not to go there to judge them. Your assignment is to redeem them. Come on now. Your assignment is to do what? He says, I've sent him not to judge, but that the world might be saved through him. When we look at this court case, when we look at the situation that we live in today, come on now, uh, Jesus never had to lie. He never had to make up false uh, accusations when he know that you're drunk and he know that you were drinking and driving. But your defense attorney comes in and says, oh, well, you know, it's just the first time. And, you know, they were upset and they use the law to work in your favor. Come on now. Jesus never had to do anything to use the grace and the authority that God gave him when he came into the world to defend you and I. He gave him the authority to say that when you get there, don't judge them, but win them so that they might be saved through you. Come on now, when you, when you look at this, come on now. Uh, I, I want you to win them so that you might be saved, so that they might be saved through you. When we look at this text here, we've got to understand that Jesus is not the bad man. That Jesus does not only love you, but Jesus gave his life so that the will of his 
father, oh, Rabbi, might not judge you. Come on now. Jesus gave his life for the will of his father not to judge you because his father sits on the other side as the prosecutor. He has all of the evidence. He has all of the facts that you are guilty. Come on now. You're guilty of sin. You're guilty of having other gods before me. You're guilty of divorce. You're guilty of adultery. You're guilty of everything that I told you not to do. But he says, I gave my only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Not only did I give him, but I sent him as a defense attorney because I'm sick and tired of it. I don't know when you're going to see me as your God, but I sent him so that you might respect him and love him. And because you love him, then you'll be able to see me for who I am. Oh, Rabbi. He sent him so that he would not judge but so that you and I might be. When you look at that word might, that means that he understood everybody's not going to do it. Everybody's still going to do what they want to do, but they might. Come on now. They might. Come on. They they ain't loved me. I've never done anything wrong to them. I gave them everything that they needed. I gave them land and they still didn't know how to do it. I gave them manna from heaven and they still didn't know how to do it. I gave them miracle after miracle, signs and wonders and they still and they still treated me as if I was the bad guy. So now I stand on the side as the prosecutor. I see them as guilty but the only way I can change in my mind is that I've got to send my son to be their defense attorney and because you're their defense attorney don't judge them hallelujah don't stand there I need you to fight for them so that they might be saved through you Uh, when we think of the life of Jesus Christ his only assignment was to get you and I to believe Come on, Vita, come on now. When we think about it, God didn't send his son to pass judgment or sentence on one who is guilty of a crime or wrongdoing. Come on now. Did you hear that? Jesus came and he stood there and he just simply says, just believe. Come on now. Jesus stood there and he said, just believe and you'll be okay. Come on now. Jesus says, your defense attorney, I don't want to hear your story. Just believe. Come on now. Are you guilty? Just believe. Come on now. Uh, did you do wrong? Just believe. Come on now. Uh, I, I'm not here to judge you. I don't want to hear your crybaby story. I don't want to know your secrets. I don't want to know how bad it is. Just believe and I'll save you. Oh, come on now. See, that's real teaching right there. Hallelujah. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on now. Jesus came into the world so that mankind would be saved. Come on, I I came here to save you. I didn't come here to take up for you. I came here to get you out of trouble. And if you can understand that I'm going to be the greatest defense attorney that you can ever have in your life, that when I open up my mouth, the judge has no other recourse but to say free. The judge has no other recourse but to say not guilty. The judge has no other recourse but to say no more condemnation. Oh, come on now. When have you ever seen a prosecutor turn on his own case? He's got the case to put you in jail. He's got the case to to put you in jail and throw the keys away. God was the prosecutor. He had everything that he had in his hand to judge you and send us off to somewhere where we would probably never exist. 
Come on now, think about it. Uh, God is just not good, but he's a terrible God. Oh, y'all ain't hear that. Uh, uh, God is not nice. See, that's, see, that's what this new age teaching want to think, y'all, that God is nice. He ain't never been nice. Uh, well, what, what, what's nice about a man uh, that turns around and he kills those who comes against his own? That ain't nice. Uh, come on now. He's a defender of what belongs to him. He's a jealous God. That ain't nice. Come on now. Uh, that's a little intimidating. Uh, that's a little insensitive. He says, have no other gods before me. I want to be the only one and the only one. Have nothing. Make no graven images of me. Have no idols in your life. I want to be the only God. I am the only God. So love me in that way. Uh, come on, when we talk about God, we, we, we got to talk about his wrath and we got to talk about his judgment. But nobody wants to hear about that. Nobody wants to hear about heaven and hell. We just want to talk about he's the man upstairs. And we just want to talk about, you know, Jesus loves everybody. Jesus didn't come into the world just to love you. Jesus' assignment came into the world so that you might be saved. Uh, come on now, let's get it correct here. Uh, where do you see it says Jesus came to love you and to pity pat you on the shoulder and to say that's all right. Jesus came and he said, I'm only standing here because my father said don't judge you. I'm only standing by your side because my daddy cared so much. He loved you so much and he said to me that after they believe, don't judge them. Move them to a place where they can become saved. And when you talk to them, talk to them with my authority. Don't give them a break. Where do y'all see in the ministry of Jesus that Jesus was nice? Where do y'all see in the Bible that Jesus was cordial? Where do you see in the Bible that Jesus was pleasant? There was nothing pleasant about his ministry. He says that if you don't love me, you don't love my father. Come on now. If you don't see me as the son of God, then you certainly cannot see my father because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the father. Who do you say that I am? That sounds like somebody who was cocky. That sounds like somebody who was arrogant. That sounds like somebody who had an authority to tell you off when you would believe. But we have minimized. Jesus to the pretty Jesus he loves everybody and Jesus understands your heart and, and Jesus knows all about your troubles the devil is a lie read it for yourself read it right here uh, his father told him he says I'm sending you not to be their friend. I'm sending you not to be there and to just pity pat them on the shoulder and give them a break. I'm sending you there to save them because if you don't do it, everything's going to cease. Because I, I, I have nothing else that I can do. You're the only one. And so I need you to understand that Jesus came into the world to be the Savior for all mankind. Come on now. John 3, 5 and 36 says, but I have as my witness something greater, weightier, heavier, better than that of John. For the words that the Father has appointed me to accomplish and finish, the very same works that I am doing are a witness and a proof that the Father sent me. Come on now. Jesus' ministry has everything to do that he was not made up. Jesus' ministry had everything to do with you to get you to understand that he's always existed. Uh, let's stop right there. 
Jesus has always existed. I want you to erase it from your mind. Uh, Jesus was not born uh, so that you and I uh, could just make up some rationale uh, what God didn't have nothing else to do and so he made up Jesus. Jesus was never made up. He was already there. I know this seems really, really tough today, but we got to get back to preaching Jesus, the real Jesus. Come on now. Jesus didn't have no issues. Jesus was not emotional. Jesus was not, oh, come on now. I, I just got to say it. Uh, Jesus was not a frustrated man. Uh, Jesus was not looking for a girlfriend. Jesus was not a drunk just because he drank wine. Uh, Jesus was pure, holy, righteous with no sin in his life, and the devil is a lie for all of you that sit in conversations and wonder about if he was having sex with another woman uh, uh, the devil be damned in your life that you would even think that Jesus would come here to the earth and he would have sin so that you might be saved come on now if I'm going to be saved through a savior then that means that he has to be pure holy and untouched Oh, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying, uh, but y'all don't like what we say because this new age teaching is teaching y'all that Jesus is just like you. Jesus ain't never been like you and I, and he never will be like you and I. And that's the only way that you and I are able to be like him is because he was something that we were never. Whew. Ah, come on here. I know that this disturbs the waves right now because we got to get back to preaching Jesus. Jesus never turned a cheek. So how can we say when you do me wrong, Jesus ain't never turned his cheek. He never even blinked. He stood right there and he says, hit me wherever you want to hit me. Uh, touch me wherever you talk about me. Use me. Abuse me. He never turned a cheek. And that's the false sense of reaching the gospel that they tell you when somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. Where you get that from? Where did you get it from? Jesus ain't never turned his cheek. Can we be correct here, Reverend? He did not turn his cheek. Now, if you want to talk about Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther King, then you can turn that. But Jesus was not Martin Luther King. Jesus was not Malcolm X. An eye for an eye. No, 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 no. Jesus said, if you're going to hit me, I'm going to stand right here and just let you hit me on both cheeks. I'm going to let you hit me square in my face, and I'm going to stand right here. And still be your defense attorney. I'm not going to let you lose some years of your life. Even though you mistreated me and my father has the ability to judge you. Uh, but but I, like what, I like what John uh, 8.42 says. Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and have come forth and come from God. For I have not come on my own initiative. That's Jesus really clapping back at you. I ain't come because I really want to be here. I came because my father sent me. Y'all miss it. He didn't come because he wanted to. He didn't come because he's having some conversation. Well, you know, pops, you know, maybe you should just let me go down and check him out, man. And, you know, maybe I can talk to him and have a little conversation with him, man. Maybe we can, you know, go to the bar and, you know, just get a couple of drinks or, you know, we can watch some TV. No, God says, I need you to get up because you're the only one left. That's what scripture says. He was the only one left. Everybody else that God sent got killed. Moses, Noah, all dead. 
Jesus, being the only one, could do this. He says this to him. Number two, God sent his son. God did not send his son Jesus to judge the world, but God sent his son into the world so that they might what? Believe. I want you to save them, but then you got to believe. Ooh, what are you saying? You cannot be saved and don't believe. <clears throat> so can I say it like this? Most of us have quoted the Romans text. If you confess in your heart and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again from your sin, you shall be saved. Most of us just said it. We didn't believe it. Ah, so that means that you're not saved. Uh-oh. That means that the rapture come back, you're going to go to hell. Come on now, let's look at the word. He says that they might be saved and then that they might believe. Oh, okay. 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 So, so, so I can't just say if I confess with my mouth, but I got to believe in my heart that he, the one who he sent, Jesus, the pistuion, that, that, that's the Greek word there, uh, that, that he might believe, uh, that we might believe to entrust ourselves into an entity of complete confidence and belief and trust. Ooh. So when I'm saved and I believe, that means that I have come into complete alignment that I entrust, I have complete confidence that he who God has sent on my behalf is the only begotten son. Oh, come on now. Uh, so salvation really starts right there. So I think we all need to lift our hands today when I open up the doors of the church because you need to be sure that you're not only saved, but that you believe that you are saved. Come on now, uh, that you believe that not your money, not your degree, not your nasty status, come on now, not who you are and who you belong to, that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son. I can't be saved through no crystal. I can't be saved, I'm saying it, you can't be saved to some ring you praying to on your finger. The devil is a lie. The only way you can get to Jesus is that you got to confess with your mouth and then you got to believe in your heart, your spirit, not your soul. Woo, come on now, come on now, come on now. Some of us have been believing in our soul and because your soul has never been transformed and renewed, when hard things come against you, you turn your back on what you say you believed. But when your spirit believes, oh, Rabbi, can't no rock. Come on now, uh, ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. Come on now, ain't nothing gonna separate me from the love of God because I believe with my spirit. Come on now. Come on now. He has to save your, you, the spirit in you so that you can believe. Come on now. He didn't send them to judge, but he sent them that, that they might believe. Come on now, look at that. He said, don't judge him. 
give them space so that they might be saved through you. And because they're saved through you, that's when they will believe. Oh, come on now, come on now, come on now, come on now. You just can't be saved and you don't believe in him. Your salvation comes through him. And what seals your salvation is that you believe in him. Ah, come on now. We, we don't want to hear this. Uh, we won't talk about this no more because, uh, you know, we don't really get money, a lot of money on stuff like this. And, uh, but let me tell you something like this. When you understand that your defense attorney is standing right next to you and he's saying that if you would just be saved through me and then believe that I am the only begotten son from the father who sent me. Come on now. I've been sent so that you might be saved and so that you might believe that there is no other savior. I am the only savior. I will. I will die on the cross. They will bury me and in three days, not four days, not two days, not five days, in three days, come on now, I will rise again with all power in my hand. I'll take the sting of death, come on now, and I'll cause you to stand before the judge. Ah. Mark 16 and 16 says, uh, come on, Rev, he who believes, come on, now, I, I like this in the Amplified Bible, who adheres to and trusts in and relies on the gospel and in him who sets forth and is baptized will be saved. Oh, come on now, let's get to it. Uh, let's get to it now. Uh, come on now, I'm from the Baptist church now. Uh, I'm a Baptist boy now. Come on now. Uh, if you confess in your heart, uh, confess with your mouth. Uh, come on now. Believe in your heart. Come on now. That Jesus Christ has died on the cross, rose again. Uh, you shall be saved. And because you believe that he has saved you, and because you believe that he is the only begotten son, they now sing, take me to the water. Take me to the water, hey, take me to the water to be baptized, none but the right, come on, y'all ain't ready, none but the righteous, none but the right, what does it say, shall see God, Ah. Uh. Come on now. So we probably need to do baptism uh, in the next couple of months so that we can all be rebaptized. Come on now. Because sometimes uh, you need to just go back and, and fix some things that you thought were right. He says not only shall you be saved through him and believe, but he says you got to be baptized. You got to have the water. Come on now. Uh, that's the first. Come on now. That's the first step. Come on now. That ain't the last, but I'll get into it some more. Come on now. Uh, you got to be baptized. Come on now. It's a sacrament of the church come on now uh, come on now you, you got to go through this he, he says here uh, uh, he says he who sent me possesses now eternal life and he does not come into judgment but he has already passed over out of death into life that the, there is a there's a bracket right there that says he who does not incur sentence of judgment will not come under condemnation let's look at this here John 5 and 23 Tracy says I assure you most solemnly I tell you the person whose ears are open to my words 
who listens to my message and believes, there's that word again, believes and trusts in and clings to and relies on him, he who sent me. There, there it is again. Come on now. Uh, uh, th- th- there it is again. He, he says they possess eternal life. See, you can't talk about Jesus without talking about his father. You can't talk about the father without talking about Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Mm, come on now. Uh, you, 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 you cannot talk about the works of Jesus without not talking about the one who sent him to do the work. So can I give it to you here? Living under the laws of mankind can be one-sided and racially biased. Standing in the middle of a courtroom with the cards stacked against you is not the greatest feeling one desires to feel. The racing pace of emotions of uncertainty and false imbalance that the case will not work in your favor isn't the best place to be in. However, at some point, the judge must render a verdict. 2,000 years ago, the judge walked into the courtroom and he got ready for the greatest case to ever be tried. He would try the greatest case. This is Holy Week. Holy Week. Can I say it again? This is Holy Week. It's where Jesus prepares himself to do the triumphant entry into the city where they have laid down their garments on the ground and they have taken the palms in their hands. See, they cut them from the branches and they begin to cry, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. So, Hosanna in the highest. And I could imagine Jesus saying, come on now, I could imagine Jesus saying, if they only knew that I'm really not being celebrated. I'm preparing for my death. If they really only knew that this is probably going to be the last time that they see me look like this, this is going to be the last time that they will ever get a chance to touch me and to to hear me. And in certain narratives right after this, he, he goes and he... He feeds, he goes, and he does so many other things. But this was the last time that Jesus would be seen in such a place where he's lifted up. Because there's no other time in his ministry that he was really celebrated. His entire ministry was full of accusation. (laughs) And you say you really want to love God. And you say that you're really saved, but you don't want to deal with accusation. You, you, want to, you don't want to deal with the lies. You don't want to deal with the untruths. Because all I did was tell a man on the Sabbath to be healed and to be made whole. But the Pharisees and the scribes wanted to say that I was committing sin. But go right ahead because I understand that my assignment is to get them to be saved through me. And because if they can be saved through me, then they will believe that I am the only begotten father, the only begotten son of the father who sent me to not judge them, 
the verdict is very simple. The verdict is not what we think it is. The verdict says, not guilty. Come on. Don't be distracted right now. The verdict says, not guilty. Come on now. Now this is God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. They all in the courtroom. They all know that they're guilty. Jesus even knows that you're guilty. But he says, if you could just see me, let me paraphrase it. If, if, if you can just see me, and if you could just allow my blood, because he could have just sent him and said, just die. You're hearing it. Why did he have to shed blood? He dies for the sin of Adam. But then he dies for the unrighteous blood that was shared between Cain and Abel. <laughs> See, y'all got to go back. You got to go back down that line. He didn't just die for the New Testament. He had to go all the way back down the line where it started. Where it started. And that's why he says, there is no condemnation in those who believe not saved. Get it correct. He said, there's no condemnation to those who believe. Come on now. That's what the, that's what the book said. I didn't say it. Rev, that's what he said, right? That they might be saved through him. But then that you might believe because salvation doesn't judge you. Your belief judges you. What you believe in condemns you. Those who have not believed, you've already been judged. Already. Did you hear what it? You were already judged from the moment Adam sinned. Oh. <laughs> we got to look at this, man. That's why you got to pray over your children. That's why you got to pray over your generation. Because we're not, we're not talking about curses because when Jesus died, the, the curse was broken. But when you don't believe, you no longer live under a curse. You live under judgment. Did you hear it? The generational curse was broken because we preach generational curses. There is no generational curse. There's generational judgment. Your generation is judged. Your house is judged. The gift and graces on your life are judged. Although he does not regret giving them to you, if you don't believe, you've already been judged. Not cursed, judged, sentenced, condemned, given life in prison, never to come out unless you choose to believe. That's the only thing that can break the judgment you got to turn around and believe. Oh, come on now. Uh, the only thing that can break the generational judgment of guilty, rejection of Christ is that you must believe that you are saved. Come on, lift your hands. See, that, that's the ministry of Jesus. Can I give this to you? You're going to hear so many people preaching. He got up. He didn't get up just for you. 
That's watered down. Jesus got up because he was supposed to get up. Jesus got up for his Father's will to be fulfilled in heaven. And because he fulfilled the will of his Father, Vita, he says, I'll give them the benefit of being redeemed. Who? So sometimes when you go to court, you got to take somebody who has influence with the judge. <laughs> Come on, Tracy, you got it? Sometimes you got to have a lawyer that knows how to talk to the prosecutor and the judge. You, you got you to have a lawyer who's familiar with the court system that when he walks in, he can not only do a sidebar, but judge, I need to meet you five minutes before my client gets here. Uh, can we talk about this? I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Uh, forgiven. That's who Jesus is. <laughs> That's why Jesus is so important to our life. Because when Jesus walks in the room, not guilty. Now, now, in nature, the judge might condemn you, but God sees you free. Even though you might go to prison, you've got a clean slate to start all over, and I can bless you from right here if you would only believe. Come on now. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands. I wanted to do and to serve the table again today because I really believe it's important that you and I understand how powerful, how powerful it is that this season that we're in, Resurrection Sunday, 50 days after that, Pentecost. That's where the church comes alive. I need y'all to understand. We've got about 60 some days to become alive. After Pentecost, we start working. We've got April. We've got May. And come June 5th, we need to bust wide open. I'm talking about the week of of, of Pentecost, leading up to Pentecost, we need to find a place where we pray. <laughs> because Pentecost says that we've now become the Christ in the earth. And now it's our turn to be given as a sacrifice. It's your turn to carry a cross. It's our turn to carry the cross. So as we prepare the table today, come on. I want to see you without distraction. I want to believe without distraction. Father, we thank you for the table, the grace of God and the peace of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And we bless your name, oh God. We praise you and we magnify you. Thank you. Thank you. As you lift your hands.
as you lift your sacrament before the Lord. I want you, each and every one of you to understand that the table, this is the table. It says, do this in remembrance of me as often as you can. You've heard me teach that remembrance is about putting him back together. The body coming back together. We teach here at the Rock Church that the table represents the true and living active presence of the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Come on now. There is presence here at the table. We're not just remembering something or, or recalling it to remind us. We're remembering every time we do it that the body has been made whole. <laughs> That Jesus, his father, will return. Hallelujah. You can see that the napkin is no longer folded. But it sits over the chalice to represent that I will return. <laughs> I won't return broken. I'm going to return whole. For a church that is spotless. No blemish, no blame. A church that is made whole. The table represents that we've been made whole. He blessed the bread, take and eat of the bread. Wonder working, oh power, power. Hallelujah. Take and drink the wine in Jesus name power wonder working power 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 wonder working power oh power power oh yeah oh yeah so father we thank you that the body has been brought together again Thank you for the table. So, Father, we thank you. So, Father, we now pray the prayer of those who desire, O oh God, to recommit, to give their lives to Christ on the day. I believe that he is the only begotten Son and that he was sent so that we might be saved. Sent not to judge.